Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a spooky spoiler warning from Mission Zach. If you haven't seen the spooky horror film Night Owl... We should have done this for Halloween because it's technically a horror. Is it a horror? Technically. Okay. Um, anyway. Make it art house rather than spooky. Uh, uh, oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Um, welcome to this art house cinema. Um, if you don't care for spoilers or spoilet as Jean-Luc Godard would have called it. <laughs> um, this is your spoiler warning. Oh, God, I don't know. No. Spoiler warning. <laughs> Peace. I hate the word. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama, a podcast where each week we partake in the watching of an art house film and then discuss it amongst ourselves. Oh, this is a good thing. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, oft that art house film starred John Leguizamo. Um, no, nah, it always does. We always chat about him. Uh, this is uh, a fucking Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama. You're doing great. Thank you. My name is Mish Wittrup. You might know me from. I used to be oh, a bit of a night owl. Hey, good. Now I'm a morning person. Good. Yeah. I'm joined as always by my friend who I assume, I don't know what he thinks about this film, but I assume this was probably right up his street, uh, my friend Zachary Ruane, who you might know from. Also, I am still a night owl. You are. But now my nights are filled with YouTube videos. Uh, not parties. <laughs> I, I normally would hold in the burp, but I just felt it was apropos. <laughs> um, the other week, uh, my friend was here from Panama, like one of my best mates, and a bunch of girlfriends and I went out for dinner. Nice. And then once uh, the dinner was one of those dinners where like an hour and a half in, the wait staff came over and they're like, I'm so sorry, you have to go. Like the table's rebooked. And we're like, well, fuck, we're not done catching up. We haven't seen each other in so long. We're like, let's go get a drink. We'll just go to a pub. And it was a Friday night mm. and it was about 930 Mm. and we went to this pub and we were there for probably about two and a half hours. And while we were there, somehow the pub turned into a nightclub oh. in the space of time we were there. So we had to leave, but it was so fucking weird. Like we had to line up. I had to get ID'd. And then when we were leaving, we had to walk across a dance floor where all these like 19 year olds were just drunk. And it was like, Almost like guys on one side, girls on the other side, all wow. just kind of scoping each other out and having a bit of a dance and taking selfies. And I felt so old and it was so I, – I, I did one of those like, <laughs> these kids, like, bless you. That's I had crazy. that moment and it was like I've never felt so old. Anyway, my point in telling that is that like I used to be a night person who went out and whatever. That was the first time I've been out till midnight in so long. Like in so long. Are you a night owl? Like when do you go to bed normal night? 
honestly, around around midnight. What will happen is I'll go and have a shower, I'll get into bed, and it'll just have ticked over to the new Wordle time. Mm. I'll do the last Wordle before bed and then I'll fall asleep. So it tends to be between 12 and 1 and then I wake up at 8. Most nights, 7. Oh, that's not true. I Between 7 and 8. So, like, but given the op- opportunity, I'll stay up and watch movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, there's no way I'm asleep before midnight. Yeah. Fair enough. Is everything okay? I thought for a second my mic wasn't on, but it is. That's good. Yeah. No, go on. Sorry, I should have ignored that. That's fine. Leave Professional it thing to do would have been to ignore it, but, um, whatever, you know, I this know. is art house time. Yeah. This is art house time. We don't we don't edit here. This is real art house. This is not Miramax art house. This is not fancy wancy Oscar buzz, mm-hmm. but still has a plot. This is proper, yeah. proper, proper fancy, art house. proper fancy. What, what? Tell me your um, like vibes around. Like, what's a what's an arty movie you like? Before we talk about, mm, I was thinking about that. So I used to say I loved art house film when I was in like high school and early yeah. uni. I was like, I love art house film um, because I watched things Macaulay Culkin was starring in when he was in his late teens and early twenties. Oh, I know exactly what you talk about. Yeah, Party Animal, Party Animal, and um, yeah. the other one. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I haven't watched a hell of a lot of art house film. Um, I, I do really like a movie called Buffalo 66. I really want to watch that. And I I've would classify that as an art house yeah, film. Yeah, that's indie. Yeah. yeah, he was like that director. Everyone loved that director for yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, I really like that movie. Like that's, yeah. that's, very, that's probably like my favourite of the art house films. But I don't actually watch that many. Um, I find that really good art house is amazing, but unless it's amazing, it tends to not be great in my opinion. Like I think it's very hard to like, it's one of those, like I, I've always said this, stand by it. I just like to be entertained. I don't care about the the history of uh, the genre. I don't care about conventions, whatever. I just want to be entertained. And I think a lot of the time, potentially in a lot of art house films I've seen, They've forgotten about the entertainment factor of a film. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just all what are we doing to make this as art house as possible? And they've forgotten to entertain their audience. I'm not suggesting because we haven't started talking about Nardell yet. No, we're not talking about Nardell. I'm not suggesting that that movie did not entertain me. I'm saying that generally with the art house genre, I have to be in a very specific headspace to watch it. I agree. And if I am not into it after 20 minutes, I'm out of it. Yeah, like I, I, I tend uh, – it's hard, isn't it? Because it's like a lot of people think because I'm – you know, we do our screenings mm. now. I feel like I'm moving – you know, we've done our screenings. I do my screenings. And and because of the vibe of those screenings and because of the fact that I do co- comedy, the films I show mm. and that we show are fun movies. Oh, yes. Right. So there's a lot of people assume that I just like fun movies. I was mm-hmm. thinking about this the other day. I was like, people just probably assume. And even like, I think a lot of people assume that I'm, I'm, I'm a real, like, so bad it's good or like cult, cult, curio kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I watched them a bit. It's a pretty recent thing. Like me, I'm more... I either like normal, for the most part, I like normal movies or wanky mm. movies. That's the thing that I think people don't realize. I was like, I reckon if, if people were, were like, 
you know, guess Zach's top ten favorite movies. Mm. I reckon a lot of people would be like, I oh, probably likes fucked shit I've never heard of. I'm like, no, nah, no. You like Lynch though. I love Lynch, and but I he's would... not that fucked. No, he's not. But I would argue that Lynch is kind of like the most popular mainstream art house director. Here's my question about Lynch. Mm. Is Lynch the most art house of the mainstream or the the most mainstream of the art house? The most art house of the mainstream, I would say. I would say so. Because to me, what makes an art house film? An art house film, I believe in definition, is something along the lines of like it is intended to be an artistic piece rather than like a story. Well, I think it's for the art house. Where's... I think, like, I think the definition, my guess is the mm. definition comes from, I reckon, like, in the same, like, way that there's the grindhouse mm. and there's, like, the, I reckon that back in the day there were different kinds of cinemas mm. and if you wanted to watch something cheap and nasty, you'd go to the grindhouse yeah. or you go to the peep show kind of a cinema. Mm. Um, but then if you wanted to watch something big, like, big blockbuster, you'd go to, like, your... Fuck, I don't know what it was in the 80s, but you big cinema. And then the art house was like just the little cinema in the trendy area that played yeah. those Well, movies. to me it's kind of like art house films are like a moving piece of art. Yeah. Kind of like performance art. Like that's how I've always kind of defined it. And interestingly enough, like I do enjoy art, but much like the cinema that I do frequent – <laughs> my the art that I like is art that just makes me go, oh cool, or oh that moves me. I don't the history of it, the convention where it came from, doesn't affect how I feel how about a piece of art. I think as an artist or mm-hmm. an entertainer, you it's good to know because you make it. It's good to know, of course, the stuff. But I broadly agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that often people get really like funky about like. It's like, I think art first and foremost, Mm. you should just vibe with. Yes. You should just, it doesn't really matter. The context helps. Mm -hmm. I think we as people who make stuff Mm -hmm. should go into context. Yeah. But I don't think general audiences need to. Oh, I'm glad I studied theatre before I did theatre. It was good for me to do that. But... As an audience member who's not in... Yeah, exactly what you just said. I think there's a lot of people, right? Like a lot of... Because I like a, some wanky shit, but I'm not like, mm. you know... I talk to a real film buff uh, or any fil- a film buff. I wouldn't even call myself a film buff. And I get so nervous, right? Yeah. But a lot of people think because I like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because in my list of favourite movies, there's a silent movie about Joan of Arc, which is quite a, like, big, it's like a, the, it's a big, it's like. What movie is that? It's called The Passion of St. Joan, I think. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Right? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And I love it. I love it. I, and, and right. So like, that's about where I'm at. Right. Mm-hmm. So to you, that's a wanky thing to have on the list, but to a mm-hmm. film buff, they'd be like, please, that's like silent film 101. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's right. like me saying Buffalo 66 is like my favourite yeah, art house to film. indie people. Yeah, I get, yeah. yeah, you know. Um, but I love that movie, right? So a lot of people think when I say something like that, mm. and because I have been a bit of a like film bro, like, but a lot of people assume that I'm like, you have to like that movie. Yes. 
because I like that movie, you That's have a, to you've like that movie. You've got to like too. Yeah. And I'm not. I don't. Mm. I get funny when people that do what we do mm-hmm. don't delve deeper than what's happening around them because mm-hmm. I don't think I think you need a deeper well of references. You know, I think sometimes people in our world like People that make comedy only watch comedy. Yes. And then, and they only watch the comedy that's coming out right now. And then it's all kind of the same. And they pitch things that are like the thing that just came out. And it's like, that's going to take four years to get made. Mm -hmm. By the time it gets made, it's not like go deeper and go outside of what you do. If you make stuff, that's, that's something I do feel passionate about. Right. Um, You know, because you watch heaps of shit so from all shit. the times. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, I do. I would say that 70% of the time I'm watching sexy thrillers, a bit of horror and reality television, but I do make sure that I watch other shit. But if you want to make sexy thrillers, yeah. watch sexy thrillers. And and, and, and you it, it informs you. I just think that I get annoyed. I do get annoyed when people that do what we do only watch stuff in their stream and stuff from now, right? So I do get funny about that, right? And, and, but broadly speaking, I don't give a shit. Like watch what you want to watch, watch what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. I also do get funny. The other thing I get funny about is when people are like, that was bad, Mm -hmm. you know? And I could, I I think I got into a bit of a phase of being like that and that's something. But when people are like, I'm like, I like that movie. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like that movie. You don't have to watch that movie. But if you watch that movie and you tell me, oh, that was boring and shit. I'm like, okay, for you it was. Yes, I totally understand <laughs> you know, what you're like, like I like it, you don't like it, you do like it. I'm not a wanker because I do like it. You're not uh, an idiot because you don't like mm. it. There's something that's happened to me as I've gotten older as well um, that when I was younger I thought it was so uncool to like things that were mainstream cool. Yeah. Like I avoided all popular music. At the end of the day I was listening to the most popular indie <laughs> artists ever but um, I was avoiding all mainstream music. I was like, oh, this all sucks, it's rubbish. And as I've gotten older, there's things like like Taylor Swift, right, mm. where I've just gone, okay, some of her music is really catchy and I get it. Yeah. Like there is a reason why a lot of the time, not all the time, but there's a reason why so many of these artists are so popular. But yeah. I, and that's changed for me is that kind of like, when I was younger, it was so uncool to like things that were cool. I remember when you don't you don't know you're beautiful. Like you've given me shit. Yeah. But like when that came out, that was the first, and I didn't even know how to register it because I was like, this song, the One Direction song, the One Direction song. I was like, and I was all like, oh, it's like the and and I would I would talk about and it is cynically hilarious. Mm. It's hilarious how cynical that song is. Yes, like it's like cooked in a lab, right? Yeah. And I would talk about it at length. I'd be like, oh, man, it's just, I, it's so funny how, like, Simon Cowell wrote this, like, mm. song. And I'm just like, but really, I just like when Harry does the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just sings it good. Yeah. Like, it's a good song. And it's like, and it was the first, after a long period of being a real wanker about that mm. shit, it was the first song that I was like, oh, shit, this is a good song. And yeah. I didn't know how to register it. It happened for me recently, like, literally, like, two weeks ago. I heard a Savage Garden song and I was like, fuck, this is a good song. And I remember when I was younger being like, oh, Savage Garden sucks. 
Like they're so they're I never got that. I never I always loved Serpent. No, I was just like, oh no, this music sucks. Like, oh no, I never want to listen to this poppy crap. And then a week ago it was on like I walked into a shop or something and it was on. No, it was actually on at work. It was on yeah, at work. It's so good. And I was like, every time I need to face and just my and I was like, this is so Good. So good. And I just relived it as if I was in 1997 or whenever it's like, it came out. Um, I remember someone made a really great point. I, I loved this. It was this actor I worked on like this show with years ago and he was like, and he was more of the age when like he would have been grunge like mm. in the late 90s and he was like, I never understood how people could be so like, he was like, my circle loved Powderfinger. Mm. Like, loved Powderfinger. You did? No, he, this guy was telling oh, okay. me. He was like, and he was of the grunge era, right? Mm. Oh, not even grunge, like late 90s. Like he was maybe 10 years old. Yeah. Then, right? He's like, loved Powderfinger and hated Savage Garden. He's like, they loved Powderfinger. And he was like, I just don't think they're that far off of each other on the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like... Like they both make mm. songs that sound nice and are structurally good and have good singing yeah. and like they're not like if you look at the spectrum, it's it's very funny. It's very it's like it's just funny. It's also like when people get um it's that's the other thing, is like I find it funny when people get really like um like like when Joker came out, right? What did you think of Joker? I never saw it. Yeah, right. I remember I saw Joker and, and I remember being like, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, that was pretty good. But I really liked the first 40 minutes mm-hmm. and then the rest of the movie get, gets pretty wonky, mm-hmm. right? I've only seen it once. Really liked the first 40 minutes. The rest of the movie gets a bit wonky. But what I thought was really interesting was like, it was like I, I'm watching this film, the type of film I usually only ever see at like a Nova or a Palace, I'm seeing in a Hoyts, in a sold out Hoyts. Like there's literally the first 40 minutes just feels like Mm. a drama. And I'm like, that's weird. That's weird and interesting. Right. Um, And then, but it was just like, there are people that are like, so like gung ho about that film that are so like, it's so fucking good. Mm. It's so fucking good. And fuck everyone that hates it. And to them, I kind of go, well, you should watch Taxi Driver. Yeah. And you should watch King of Comedy. And you should watch, like, like Joaquin Phoenix a year before did a film called You Were Never Really There. Yeah. I think I'm really bad with long titles, which is also kind of riffing on Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, and, like... Equally kind of, it's a flawed movie, but really interesting and like mm. cool. And um, I, I didn't love it, but I loved parts of it. And it's just fun. It's like, if you're going to go in so hard for Joker, if you're going to tell people that Joker is brilliant, if you're going to be mean to people who like the Harley Quinn movie, in that situation, you should probably expect, like, if mm. you're going to be a cunt about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like if you're going to be a cunt about it, maybe then I might throw it in your face a little bit. And I'm not even – it's just like mm. it, Joker's good. Joker's really, really mind-blowingly good if you haven't seen Taxi Driver. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 100%. And there's no shame in not having seen Taxi Driver mm. and there's no shame in liking Joker, 
But if you're going to be a dick about it, yes, maybe there's a little. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. I totally understand. One hundred percent what you were saying. Yeah, like there's just an element sometimes of that where it's like, you know, and it's the same. It's not dissimilar to the to the Powderfinger Savage Garden debate. It's like mm. Joker and Harley Quinn. Yeah, like are very far apart. In a very small... But also sometimes all you need is just for someone in that scene to be like... I, Because I bet if Bernard Fanning came out and said, I really like Savage Garden. Yeah. There would be so many wankers real quick to be like, I always actually... I really like them too. Yeah. It's funny. I've always liked them because there's so many... There's so, you can like compare the two so easily. Like <laughs> that, that's, what, that's what's always remarkable to me. Like I know there was a lot of... Um, People that were really down on Bruno Mars. And they were like, oh, Bruno Mars music sucks and it's mainstream. It sucks. And then he did um, Texas Sun with, oh, I want to say Kurungban, but I'm probably wrong. And uh, and Kurungban's like this. I, I'm, I'm probably getting all these names wrong and everyone's no, going to fucking right. hate me for it. Yeah. But, no, now but we're sudden, saying fuck you for hating any. Yeah, but, so, but all of a sudden now Bruno Mars is cool because a cool guy said he was cool. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like as soon as a cool person says something's cool, it then becomes cool. Like, I don't know. I just... I just find it very interesting. It's why, like, I listened to the 10-minute version of All Too Well, which, if I'm being completely honest, was probably the first time I ever listened to Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've never really listened to a Taylor Swift song. I'm, I'm just not... When I think of Taylor Swift, I think of love... The, it's a love story, baby, <laughs> just there. And I'm just like, no, nah, it's not for me. Um, and then I listened to All Too Well, and I was like, that is fucking very good. It is very good. Yeah, yeah. If I was a 17-year-old girl that wasn't trying desperately to be seen as someone who likes art house films and goes indie clubbing, I would have fucking lapped this up. But instead mm. I chose Girl Interrupted. But I could have chosen Taylor Swift. Yeah, it speaks so to the same like... it speaks to the same fucking people. Girl Interrupted speaks to young women who feel very lost and unheard. And that is what Taylor Swift does. And there's not I think that's the other thing. Fuck right? man, I've just had like a little revelation. <laughs> but it's true. It's just like it does I think that's the thing you realize when you get older, is it's just like it doesn't fucking not even a little matter. Bit. It's like if that makes a per if it's not toxic, mm. if it's not bad, like you can delve into it, but it's like if your issue with Taylor Swift, like I, I don't respond to her lyrics, and not just because you know, different She's fucking uncool, man. No, I don't respond to... I was talking about it the other day with my partner about, like, how, you know, what what don't we gel with? It's like, I don't, I don't respond to the specificity of her lyrics. Like, she's very, like, specific, yeah. you know? And, um... This is, I'm not, I'm not uh, Ted Husing. Yeah, Annie said this, this. My partner said this. It was the, they, that, that it, it's the Ted, it's the specificity, right? I respond to lyrics that are a little more vague, that are a little more like, there's this line in her new song that like everyone was giving her shit for. Did you see this on like TikTok? Mm. Um, you know, her new album. Yeah. There's a line in it where, where she says, sometimes I feel like everyone's a sex. Have you heard about this? Is it a oh yeah, it's a song that's like sometimes I feel like everyone's a sexy baby and I'm just watching a monster on the hill. Yeah, right. And everyone was like, "What the fuck was that lyric?" And I was like, "This is the first lyric I've ever heard from Taylor Swift where I've just been like, fuck yes." She's <laughs> <laughs> like, "It's the and I, I love that lyric so mm. much because it's like it's clunky in a good way. It reminds me of um." American Pie, yeah. like it's so 
like literal in the yeah. images it paints, but it's so kind of. It's so funny that you say that because in the all too well 10 minute version, right? I remember listening. To, I was in the bath the first time I listened to it and I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh my God, like the whole idea of like a man, like that, the, the, I, that, uh, that she was with that um, just could never really fully commit, could never say, I love you seems to have ended it and completely forgotten that you even exist. I'm like, oh, my God, like I can relate to that. And, again, if I was 17, this would really be like soul-crushing for me to hear. And then she starts saying like, but you kept my old scarf from the very next first week because it smells like me and I left it at your sister's house. I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, okay. Okay. And then she's like, I was in a bathroom crying and an actress came and asked me if I was okay. And I was like, well, you're my fucking problem. I'm like, okay, yep. That didn't happen to me. Um, But it sounds really painful for you, Taylor. Um, So yeah, I will say that like, she's very specific in her lyrics. I just think she tells a good story. She's like, again, I'm stealing Annie's stuff here. That's fine. She's a folk, she's a folk singer and, Mm. and she's a, she's, she comes from country and that, I think when she does music in that genre, it's when it, the lyrics sit the most comfortably. Yeah. It's very, it's when it's under electronic music or pop music mm. that it gets a little more like, okay. I will say, though, there is a song called Coney Island. Yeah. Uh, her and the lead singer of The National. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is a very good song. Like I would, like if people were to ask me, what song should I listen to Taylor Swift? I would probably say that all too well, 10 minute version, because it really is very good. And Coney Island, because it's just a really, like, I find it very evocative. And it's just, to me, is a very, very good example of, like, lyrics, lyric mm. writing. Mm. What did you think of the movie? Yeah, I've got to talk about the movie. I th- I'm ready. And i got one other thing I want to say about the art house stuff, but <laughs> I'll get to that, I'm sure. I love or that I the won't. top of this podcast is art house films and Taylor Swift. <laughs> Can I say why? I'll say one more thing uh-huh. about art house stuff, and then I'll, and then I'll um, do the do the movie. Is the one thing I think is really interesting. You know how we were talking about like you you do you and mm-hmm. let me do me. Is there are a lot of people? I feel like I because I love I really love um, most of David Lynch's stuff. Some of the stuff I don't respond to, but I really love most of it. Right? Mm. I thought there are people. I think when I talk about that, that think that because they don't respond to it mm. or but because they pretended to like it once in order to be cool, they think that that's what I'm doing or they put that judgment on me. Mm-hmm. That's no, just you're just, no, no, no. But people who do think that of you are wrong. You are actually a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, and I stand by that. Like if you think that Zach is pretending to enjoy this film for an image, no, no, the image you think he is wanting to obtain, he obtained years ago. (laughs) But I just really like, and that's the thing I think people don't understand Mm. sometimes. There are people that are like, and that's what I mean about like, it's just a, it, it's more of a two-way street, I think, than people think. People think that film, like that wanky people are like looking down on them, and it's like, but people, I sometimes feel like people are just, it's like, no, I really like, I really like it. Mm. <laughs> I, I really get it. Like weird shit. You like weird shit as well. You like your own weird. Shit. I like my own kind of weird shit. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here it is. <coughs> Wait, are you, so you're doing the intro now? Yeah. Great. <coughs> night owl, night owl. Oh, no. Night <laughs> owl, a 1990. No, no. Sorry. Here I go. No, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Don't edit this out because this is an art house podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, feel, ooh, did you feel that? Did Someone, you feel I bet that? that was a real like evocative experience yeah, for someone. Left just that in. Oh. Night Owl is a 1993 vampire film shot in New York City and directed by Jeffrey Arsenault. It tells the story of Jake, a brooding vampire slash squatter who picks up women in nightclubs and while having sex with them, drinks their blood and kills them. It is listed on Google under the genres of horror and black and white. It is very arty, experimental and lo-fi and I really, really wish I was in the mood for it. (laughs) John Leguizamo plays a dude whose sister is killed by a vampire, I think, so he is looking for her, I think. I don't know. I really wasn't in the mood. No, that was it. Some fun facts about this film. During the two-year time span of shooting the film, Arsenault directed Leguizamo in his first one-man show, Mambo Mouth, on Off-Broadway. I didn't know that. Hollywood Lawn, one of the actors in the film, was a darling of Andy Warhol and was one of the people referenced in the Lou Reed song, Walk on the Wild Side. I didn't know that. And lastly... That was Screaming Rachel. Yeah. Hmm. Was that the person that yeah. was singing? Yeah. Talk, talk singing? Yeah. That was... Yeah. I think I may have done shows in the bar that it's set in maybe, at least on the street. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's cool. So they're walking. There's a scene where they're walking and then it, it sort of the camera moves up and there's like a uh, like a, uh, a thing at the front that says um, 80 St. Mark's mm. Place. And that I think it was once a theatre, then it was a nightclub for a time and now is a theatre again mm. and I did shows there. And I don't know if they were just walking past it but they, as they kind of got to that spot, that's when they started, that's when they went into the club. Oh. And I know that it used to be a club. I don't know if it was a club then but I also know that it was in a film once mm. um, that I watched the other, not long ago. So, yeah, there's a chance I've, so I've cool. done shows in that. Nothing gives me the kind of rush like watching something on television and seeing somewhere you've been. I still remember to this day one of my great favourite, I think I've talked about this on the pod, but I've talked about it in live shows. One of my greatest moments in life was I was at my granny's house. I'd just done a holiday to Sydney and I was watching the Power Rangers movie. Yeah. Have I said this? No. I was watching the Power Rangers movie on VHS at my granny's house. Missed it at the movies. I was devastated, but I was on my little trip with my parents. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, holy shit, wait a second. Mm. That's Darling Harbour. Mm. I was just there. How cool is that? I went... um, Yeah. I was in London in 2016 and I had a breakfast at like a little pub type breakfast spot and I sat there with my friend and we ate and it was delicious and then a year later that same friend sent me a photo or a screenshot from a James Bond film. Wow. And James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, ate, had, a, had a drink or some shit or he's having a chat at the exact same booth that we were at. I, it, 
it gives me the biggest thrill. And it was the, the reason why I bring up this, the, um, the one about Power Rangers mm. is because like, I think that was like the first moment I was ever like, oh, mm. they make movies. Yeah. And they, they're shot in places like, cause it, back in the day, like LA, Hollywood, that, that was an abstract concept. Mm. I was like, I've been to this one. Yeah. And it's a very, and it still gives me such a it's thrill. Very cool. I'll watch a show and it'll be like, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a bit in the trailer for that new movie, that Apple Plus show set in, um, set in something, but in the, there's a point where it's about a guy who runs away from Melbourne and goes and lives mm-hmm. in Mumbai. Uh, Shantaram. Oh, yep. And that was filmed in Melbourne. And, and I haven't watched the show yet, but just watching the trailer. Oh, it's so exciting. It's like, oh, that's Pentridge Prison. Oh, yeah. that's Collins Street. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, still so gives good. me such a thrill. So, yeah, that was fun. I'm so sad that you weren't in the mood for this because as I was watching it, I was like, oh, Zach's going to be in the mood for this because I, it felt like I felt like you would have really seen things in this film that I might have missed. As I think about sometimes movies like this, right? It's more for it's more in the discussion afterwards. Yeah, right. It's more in the and and um, as I think about, it, I think yeah, I loved. Uh, I loved. It felt like it was in a place. It really felt yeah. evocative of New York. New York, yeah. And it felt evocative of New York, that part of New York at that time. Like that was like if it was largely set. In, in the area, I think it was set. Mm. So Mark's place was like the cool place yeah. in the late 90s. Like I remember, you know, Chloe Savenny. If you yeah. if you like Buffalo 66, 66 you, you know Chloe I Savenny. know who that is, yeah. She came up, she was like, before she was an actor, she was just like a cool person. Like mm. she was just famous for being a cool person. And oh, like, God, imagine. Yeah, and she was like cool because she was she would like hang out in that area. Right, so this movie is set there before, like, just on the precipice of it yeah. being. So that was cool, and mm. I loved that, and I and I love the the grain of it. I, I, oh, I think there's something to be there's. So this movie was very low budget, like oh. very low budget, but it, I think it spent whatever little money it had. Well, I don't think that like it would. I do not think that this movie would have been improved with a lot of money. Does that make sense? No. I think that they did what they did with their budget. Am I making sense? Like I think this was an example of a movie that came together with a very low budget. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, so it's fully in black and white. It's very very grainy. It like like many art house films lacks a lot of editing. Like which is very interesting and frustrating to watch, but it really does build something. I think the frustration is part of the experience maybe. Wow. Um this is what I'm gathering from it. Also, I really, really loved the soundtrack and the sound design on this film, yeah. which was about three times louder than the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and it was all like pop punk music. Yeah. Punk pop rock. Do you know my, like the thing I really vibed from it? Because it, it was like, this is the thing people don't even realise, right? Blair Witch Project, mm. uh, Paranormal Activity, there's a few movies like this where people have this image of movies made for a really, really low budget. A lot of the time, those movies are made for a really low budget. They then get discovered at a at a film festival. 
And then the studio that buys the film more often than not then spends sometimes more money than was spent on the shooting of the film on post-production for the film, mixing, mastering, re-recording audio, re-recording music, dialogue, that sort of shit. People don't realise that like a lot of what they get, and I don't, because I don't really uh, go to many film festivals. I really wish I went to more, but I'm, mm. you know, I'm, I'm a shy boy. <laughs> but but people don't realize like the level to which, like, by the time it oh, comes yeah. to a big like cinema, yeah, like there's been a lot of money on like that stuff, and Absolutely. this movie is like. Like you said, like the music is louder than the dialogue. Oh, it's real off. And then they'll just have like a real random piece of very loud dialogue cut to a normal volume dialogue. It's, it's, it gives me, it gives me incredibly good year 12 media project vibes. Yeah, right. That's like a really good A plus. You're going to get the premier's prize for media, this film that you've made, or even like, even uni. Yeah, uni, uni. uni. Fuck, like, fuck high school. Um, this is someone who studied film. You're getting full high grades second year film making. That's what I got from this film. I, th- I think it was made so well with what it was made with. The thing that I find really interesting, what I'm really enjoying in the study of John Leguizamo's career is so this movie took two and a half years to make. Yeah. It was filmed over two and a half years as they slowly made money. So... They had a bit of money. They made some of it. Because film some more costs money. money. This so much thing money. we don't re- like, but like now you can shoot a film on digital. But like film, literal film stock mm. costs money. money. So this took two and a half years to film. So my guess is that Johnny, not guess, I'm almost positive that Johnny Legs came onto this when he was like Miami Vice Johnny Legs. Like I will say yes to a lot of things straight out of. Yeah, schools. just like and probably yeah, cool. Yeah, this is a fucking cool indie film because there are no other actors in this film that have gone on to do anything really. Well, but I think what's really it's really weird to watch it now mm. from the perspective. Not even just like sometimes we're like, oh, we love John Leguizamo, so watching it from that, watching it now from the perspective of like, there's there'd be so many movies like mm. this, right? That's what that, that Where, that's, yeah, so many. And you watch they're and, all on Tubi, by the way. <laughs> they're all on Tubi. I only just recently discovered Tubi's streaming service. If you want a fucking art house film that no one has watched for at least 15 years, go on go Tubi. Tubi. I watched, do you know what I watched on Tubi? Which is where Night Owl is, by the way. Do you know what I watched on Tubi? Um, <laughs> I think I may have talked about this recently, but the. Um, uh, the, have you ever heard of where the wind blows? You've told me about this. Yeah. Have I? On, I would have told you on this. I watched that on Tubi. So good. This is a little cartoon about yeah. old people and the apocalypse with like David Bowie oh, music. You've got to get into it. Tubi, mate. Tubi's the bee's knees. It's so strange. But then they they have about three or four, that's it. Three or four movies that are well known, like the Midnight Meat Train. I really want to watch that. That's on Tubi. And then the rest are just movies you have never seen. And you're like, do I remember seeing that? Is the Midnight Meat Train well known? I would say so. What's the Midnight Midnight Meat Train? Super, super scary movie about a photographer on a train. Oh, that's um, Clive Barker, I think. Uh, Yeah, Bradley Cooper. 
is in it. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think it's that well known. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's one of you, like, one I think, of, okay. <laughs> you know. That's like, one something you know that falls the, into Mish's little uh, circle. Uh, you are, you're a savage guard and I am yeah. out of okay. finger. <laughs> All right, got you. Okay. <laughs> like, right, we're both wank. It's two wankers. <laughs> when, when you call me a wanker. <laughs> I'm awake. It's like yeah, everyone knows about this, the Midnight Meat Train. Um, I know, but it does have flavor of love, uh, rock of love, which is mind rock of love. <laughs> Hear this now. I love Survivor. I oh, love rock Survivor. of love is the reality. Yeah, I love Survivor. Yeah. I love the American Bachelor and Bachelorette. I will even now say, throw my hands up in the air, that I watched Big Brother for a couple of years there. Rock of Love is my favourite reality television show Amazing. of all I time. I love that you're discovering Tubi right now. Oh, Tubi's the best. I love Rock of Love so much that I used to watch it when it was on television at like 2am and I'd like catch episodes to the point that I bought it on fucking DVD you box set while we were living in Ballarat. It was my Ballarat show and I watched it all the time and then I don't know what happened to those DVDs but I haven't watched it in like... I don't know, 10 years, Should and I've rediscovered it. to the listener what Rock I of Love like, is? I feel like it's pretty well known, but it's worth mentioning. Rock of Love is the most phenomenal reality television show. It's a dating show, and I believe it was one of the first dating... It was dating like just re- after Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, dating reality shows. It was an MTV show? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I never watched Brett it. Michaels, never watched it. Brett Michaels is this guy who was the lead singer of a band called Poison, which is like an <laughs> 80s rock band... Whose only popular song was um, uh, Ever Rose Has Its Thorn, and it's not even that popular. But um, yeah, red states love him. Anyway, <laughs> um, he goes, he's, uh, he's the dude, and he brings in about 12 to 15 girls and dates them until he comes up. It's exactly the same premise as The Bachelor, except that it's Brett Michaels and these girls are just, like, getting drunk and getting their tits out and he's just, like, constantly, like, she was really problematic when she did that, but she also wore a really – like, she also has a really short skirt and that's turning me on. (laughs) just I remember, like, they have threesomes. I love the idea of a show that's not pretending – No. Like, The Bachelor pretends to be more than it is, whereas this show just – It's just like, this is is what it is. This is a harem. This is a harem with a man and 12 women. You have to watch it. When I tell you it is phenomenal, it is phenomenal. And it only ran for three seasons because then at the end of the third season, spoiler warning for Rock of Love – he um, proposes to the woman, the wife of the mother of his children, and it's like I've really stopped my ways, and now and they get married. They end up going off and getting married. Is she married. one of the competitors? No. Oh, he just he brings her on at the reunion. Is just like now that I've done all of this, I think I'm done, and I'd like to commit to you and let's do this. And now they're still married. And they've got kids I, um, and they live like a happy life. But okay, yeah, sorry, please. No, no, no. You were making a point about rock of love. <laughs> And all I'm saying is that you like if if you like reality television, get Tubi. It's free and watch Rock of Love. Like I'm watching it tonight when I Mish, get home. Yes, sir. I love that you've discovered Tubi. Mm. I love that for you. I it's, love because it's like because I'm a movie boy, but I love that you've discovered Tubi. Movie is not see. Movie is the difference between like Zach and I are the same person, but I'm a Tubi. You're a movie. Yeah, movie. We just talked about movie in person. We haven't. I don't think we talked about movie because Mish messaged me and she's like, "Oh my god, there's this streaming platform called Tubi, and it's got this movie. It's got three John Leguizamo films on it." And I was like, "Oh yeah, we know. I know about Tubi. Tubi. And then, but I, but I like, I like Tubi and movie. Yeah. 
Mubi is the wanky one. Yeah. And Tubi. So, and it's true. It's like you and I are the Alpha and Omega, mm-hmm. the Yin and the Yang, the Mubi and the Tubi. <laughs> the Mubi and the Tubi. <laughs> the Mubi and the Tubi. We are the same and mirror image of each yeah, other. Exactly. Oh, that's good. Um, no, I liked that. Uh, no, the, the last thing I was going to say is I really liked the, the, um, like the live footage. There was something I was like, oh, that that's something I'd really love to do. Like I loved that, like the liveness of it. Yeah. That, that um, it's not something you see very often, but it is like just like capturing live performance and yep. shit happening. And like that was cool and, and felt felt cool. And I was like, there's something I could, yeah, like I liked that. But just profoundly not in the mood. Yeah, I get it. It's Look, it's a lot to watch. Like... It's a lot to watch. It's like it's difficult. It is difficult to watch because if you if you don't watch a lot of art house films, it can be very frustrating to watch because you're just like, where's the editor? Where's the sound designer? But it was just made on an incredibly small budget. Um, I will. I just. My, I've got a final thought on yeah, Night Out. There is so John Leguizamo's character seems almost pointless in this film. Like he's in it quite a bit, but it is exactly what Zach, what Zach said in his blurb is a, um, this vampire fucks and kills a woman who happens to be John Leguizamo's sister. He's then trying to find um, his sister and suspects this vampire guy. And they have a fight. Mm. And it is it is the most comical fight, film fight, I've ever seen. Do you remember the fight? Yeah, yeah. Like- it was like... That it was just shot so bless bless. It was shot so badly you could see the fist not hitting the face. Do you know what I mean? Like as they're punching each other. That's like funny. there's a way that you shoot a scene when you're punching somebody where you obviously do not actually punch them in the face, but because of the angle of the camera and the movement of the body, it very much looks like you're being pun- punching someone in the face. This was just slightly off in both ways, so you could see how far apart the two actors That's were. Funny, I didn't notice that. Oh, uh, it was just—it's—it was a—and a, it had no sound effect of. Do you no, know what like, I? Punch. Do you know what I had like that? My experience with that scene, and then I'll say my final thought. Yeah. Um, my experience with that scene was like, it—he uh, was looking for the girlfriend mm-hmm. or the sister. And then there was like a shot of the vampire guy. This is what maybe, and you know, when you're like not really engaging with a film, so maybe it's on me, but it felt like he was looking for the vampire. Mm. Then there was a shot of the vampire. Then there was a shot of John Leguizamo doing push ups. And then they were fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a lot. It was a very odd. It didn't have a huge amount of, like, things just happened, you know? Yeah. It was like a series of sequences. Mm. Um, And that that was, I think, really where, like, because I think, I think, um, I think people, when I say I'm not in the mood for a film, I think it sometimes comes off as a euphemism of I didn't like it. Yeah. And I'm trying to be positive. But, but. Uh, this one was like truly, I was just not in the mood. I get it. I'll say this. I enjoyed this movie because of my relationship with John Leguizamo. And it was like, it's so cool to see 
fucking Moulin Rouge guy, Romeo and Juliet guy, chef guy, guy from Violent Night and Menu that's about to come out, do a very small, incredibly low budget art house indie film. Well, it would have been like him and his mates. It would yes. have been like. and th- He would have done this for like little to no money, surely. Although, oddly, it came out. Just after Super Mario Brothers. Oh, amazing. Yeah, Good just move. after. Good move, director. Yeah, there you go. He's, he knows what's what. They probably would have been like, fuck, and then we'll bring it out. And yeah. Because that's, I mean, like, that's the thing, though, because we got our start in theatre, right? Mm. I often think when I watch things like this, like, what if we were making movies mm. when we were just out of uni, oh, not, not theatre? Like, I, like the stu- we would have made stuff like this, but we made little plays that yeah. no one will ever see. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to think. About if we'd make because that's what this feels like. This feels like mm. the the stuff we were making at La Mama and yeah. stuff when we were. Do you know what's also very unfortunate 20s. is that a movie came out in 1993 called Night Owl that wasn't this film and was slightly more mainstream. Well, they re-release when they released it on DVD. It was with different spelling. Yeah, that's N-I-T-E. why. Yeah, I am. Um, one th- the one thing is it's it's interesting. You know how we I talk a lot about. I'm glad we picked an actor, not a director. Yeah. This is one of the best examples yes. of that. Because oh, yes. the I think the only films I've seen mm. of this kind of budget mm-hmm. are like, uh, I'm trying to think like Pi mm. and like A Razorhead and it's filmmaker I like mm-hmm. going back to their first film. Yeah. So like... You know, like um, Christopher Nolan did a, a super low budget black and white film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Jackson, his first film, it was not black and white, but it was like shot over four years and people's haircuts change yeah. and stuff. But I only ever watch the this level of budget because I because of the writer or director and or the director. Well, Todd Haynes is another good example from Poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably the first time I've ever watched. Except for maybe the occasional film festival that I don't remember. But the first time I've ever watched a film of this, like, level mm. where, I ha- where, where I haven't, where I'm not watching it with the context of, well, what did they become as yes. a director? Or what, like, and it was interesting. It was very well, this interesting. this director didn't make much, like. No, they're a musician now. Yeah, they are. So they kind of stopped doing films. So it's inter- that's a very interesting little, like, nugget as well. Yeah, you, we go back. We go back and watch these movies, but it's like. But then I wouldn't even know where to watch a movie like this mm. now. I've, art, like, festivals, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I think that the, the biggest star for, of this film, like, my favorite thing about this film was New York, really. Yeah. It was where it was set. The time it was set, it was super grungy, very punky. Yeah, and I um, do. I love... liked that. I loved that character in the yeah in the film. And I love like um, film. I love film stock. I really love, you know, it's like black and white. People think of black and white as a choice now, but I love um, you know, like there's there's like black and white because it's arty, and mm. then this is black and white because it's cheap. Yeah. And I love that aesthetic. I really Same. do love that. Totally. Um, do you want to give it a leg of Starmo? You go first. Three and a half. Okay. And I have no, I don't think I could back that That's with anything. That's fine. I'm going to give it two and a half. Yeah. Same. Mishwitra, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. thank you so much. For um, 
Um, I would like, uh, before I leave, Yeah. I would like um, our listeners to know that this entire time I've had a little tiny piece of popcorn Good job. stuck between my middle teeth. And every time I'm not speaking, I am listening to Zach, but I'm trying to get this little tiny flake of popcorn out of my teeth. And let us know if you're still listening. You know, we did two in a row. I'd love to hear. This was a chill one. Yeah. You know, uh, and I want to know, do you, do you mind the chill ones? <laughs> right. Honest feedback. Honest, honest feedback. feedback. I actually want honest feedback. Was this all right? Was this okay? Fun fact. There is a Reddit thread. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if this is kosher to say, like, is it okay to say? There's a Reddit thread that someone sent me called, why don't you like Leguizama Rama? Why don't you listen to Leguizama Rama? Oh, nice. There you go. <laughs> So if you ever want to see some criticism, go on that. What oh, do people thread. say? Oh. Couple, but people like most mostly it's just like we, I like it when Ben's on. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, good. That's I don't need criticism. This is this my side project. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> I know this. Fine. Is you don't have to like listening to it, but thank you for getting through. Thank that you for us. those that do. Yeah. I mean, um, you know. <laughs> my I don't think I have a single listenable podcast in my overall. <laughs> Fair. Um what should Tom takes away with you choose this week? Um, I can't request Lou Reed because copyright. Mm. Tom told us off for asking for copyright things. Just like cool, chill vibes, Tom. Just like chill, cool vibes. You know, cool, cool, chill, punky, chill kind of cool vibes. <laughs> yeah, that's nice and easy. Um, thank you so much for listening and we will see you. No, we won't. We'll chat with you next week. <laughs> No edits. No edits in this pod. Just know uh, as well, Tom, under no circumstances are you to edit anything from this pod. Thank you so much. This has been your Art House podcast, Mission Zach's Art House-arama, and we'll chat with you another time. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.